deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin's dream. Uh, this is the Shrieking Shack? Is, is this a Harry Potter reread podcast for, for lapsed fans? Am, am I the host? No. DC? <laughs> am I? Am I? Yes. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so confusing for people who don't listen to the bonus episodes. <laughs> I, I think it'll probably just sound like we have, we've just lost it, which I think is pretty reasonable. Yeah. At where, where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after, after the events of last week, uh, uh could anyone really blame us for just completely losing the plot with this thing uh is this a harry potter reread podcast <laughs> it's a good thing is it really is it really are we really doing a harry potter reread podcast in this economy <laughs> oh yes it has been one week since the uh i was about to say the tragic events of of uh, jk rowling's twitter rant but it's not so it's less tragic and more just that she uh she she finally exploded and said all the stuff we knew she wanted to say. But uh there's been a couple of developments since then. Um but I would basically feel better I think cuz we we spent like over an hour on it last week and it was comprehensive, I think. I would like to just kind of run down a bullet-pointed list of some things that have happened since then. Uh I would maybe just like to ask a couple questions about like where you're at with that whole thing temperature wise. And then I want to talk about what really matters and that's fantastic beasts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I have, um, news Mm. sort of, I did unfollow JK Rowling. You did just on, on every account. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, probably still like a little bit questionable that I followed her in the first place. (laughs) Um, but my kind of, idea of it and i think that that some people might have some philosophical agreements about this but i was pretty much just like well she's got 14 million followers (laughs) right i don't think it really matters that much and i am not it it felt like i could really keep tabs on the experience of following yeah i thought and that felt valuable yeah i guess no i i and i no, I, I I just say I'd, I'd agree with that. So, part of that I think is that there's like a little a little kernel in me that still um, can be a bit of a hate reader. Oh, for you know, sure. I, like like I, I definitely have that tendency where I'm like, yeah, I, I I can certainly hate follow someone, and and up until you know last week and the week before, there was a still a little like. Uh, like messed up pleasure that I got out of like hate reading, mm-hmm. uh, but that like flipped the other way, and I just got I'm just like too mad, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like as soon as she started tweeting the Ichabogs again, I'm like I can't do this. I have to unfollow her because, and I think that that's like a mistake that that in, that anyone can make if you have like kind of a proclivity for hate reading, which is where you don't notice that flip where you just are mad (laughs) and only mad and it's at that point where i'm like okay i I gotta be done obviously for the podcast i will check in with her 
see what's up, but just the the Ichabogs on my feed that just made my day worse. I I took those away. I was yeah, done. I I too I I'm like I love to put on my little my little demon horns. I love to put on my little red cape and my and my little tail mm-hmm. and and read and yeah. just read some dumb shit and 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 grin. Uh, and and I, I you know I I definitely enjoy that. I definitely have some follows on my accounts that uh, that are mostly for that purpose. Um, mm-hmm. I also unfollowed her, although I think I might have decided. I actually can't remember how I how I ended up deciding how to do this. I think I might still be following her on the Shrieking Shack account, just because then I can. Oh, sure. I can go in prepared, right? I can say, like, okay, I'm going into the, I'm going onto the Shack account. I, I, this is, I'm doing my Harry Potter business, right? I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. putting the gloves on, uh, and and looking at her her feed or whatever but yeah no i it's a thin line uh and if you are not someone who enjoys uh uh, doing doing that absolutely no judgment uh uh, for me but that is that is just the kind of uh i i'm i'm a i'm a stay up late wikipedia and dumb shit that i hate all night kind of person and that and that (laughs) that has served me well i think uh as a podcast news uh uh digger upper but uh but i yeah i i cannot blame you for just i think that i think the part that makes me so mad about it honestly is that it is just the return to the ichabogs right like i hate those ichabogs i'm so sick of it (laughs) sorry kids but all i'm i'm becoming there's like one maddox post that i remember still like being kind of funny which was the one where he would like review children's drawings of like fire trucks or whatever uh yeah and say like this looks nothing like a fire truck you suck little timmy and and like that's stupid but that 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 is what i am becoming uh seeing Mm. the ichabog drawings i think you said something similar as well just like uh it's it's i i'm poisoned by i can't stand them all those kids should draw something cooler. The Ichabog sucks. Most of them are probably only doing it because their parents told them to anyway. Uh, it's a nightmare. I support the children that are on there posting their quote-unquote Ichabogs that are clearly <laughs> like, I want it to be drawing a warrior cat. <laughs> or like, I want it to be drawing a cool wolf, yeah. right? Yeah. So I support those, them. I like those, and I like the ones that are just like a fucking scribble, because it's like clear that they wanted to go play Fortnite or something, and their parents made them do a drawing first for them. Yeah, my favorite, it was like a, just a, just a scribble, and the post was like, my son says that the Ichabog disguises itself as a rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that kid rules. That kid does rule. But yeah, um... I, I yeah I think that that made me more mad that it was a um that it was just a return to form because that's what she's always done and I think that she's probably doing it again now under the assumption that things will just return to normal again and my hope is and this is something that really only time will tell I I, I would hope that enough I think that the dam might have broken enough that she won't be able to keep that up I'm that, that I'm fingers crossed that is the only reason I'm really going to like keep checking in on her for the time being is like i just want to know i i i i i i know that this means i have way too much faith but like i'm just hoping that the that the like the the dam has cracked just enough that she will suffer some sort of consequences for this yeah my 
my most optimistic hope is that the Ichabog retweeting is like somehow part of her contract and she has to mm. do it. And then once the contract is over, she'll be gone. Mm, that's very possible. Actually, I, that's a good point. Let me. So the other part of this that, that is another piece of this puzzle that I uh, have been kind of keeping track of is the Harry Potter at home stuff. Mm-hmm. Because um, that's supposed to be a weekly uh, like post of like, hey, here's your here's your cool celeb reading reading a chapter of Harry Potter for you. They have not posted one this week. I believe that they usually go up on Wednesdays or Thursdays. Yeah, they have not posted one since the last one, which was hmm. uh, chapter eleven. Um, uh, interestingly enough, the chapter 11 one is on the, uh, is on the Twitter. It has not appeared on the Wizarding World website yet, like on the Harry Potter at home website. So, so that's, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, Hachette, her publisher, uh, that's working on the Ichabog, uh, a a new story I just want to lightly touch on is that there's, there's a report that like some, there's some internal strife uh, at the company a bunch of people were basically threatening to walk over working on this and saying you know they we, we don't want to work on this chet is a dog shit company i feel very comfortable saying um uh and uh they they put out their own statement that said that fuck you tough luck you have to work on it um so that's but that's just like one that's like just the ichabog company right yeah. it's the fantastic beasts thing and wb that i'm much more interested in um because we uh we were we we talked a little bit last week about how eddie redmayne spoke up and put himself in a very interesting position um of either being surprisingly forward thinking or maybe just coming across as a huge coward depending on how things went um (laughs) but uh now also joining the like uh, uh, the crowd of people who are working with her currently, supposedly, who have spoken out, uh, are uh, Dan um, Dan Fogler, who put out a, I mean, fa- fairly brief and 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 vague, but like still, he is work. He is like contracted to work with her right now, right? So it, there's a little, maybe a little bit more uh, on the table there than uh, than some of the other statements, and also Steve Cloves. Uh, Steve Clovis, who uh, who is her co-writer and has been her co-writer, uh, or, or I guess was the lead writer on on the Harry Potter films, and is now co-writing Fantastic Beasts after all the drama last time. Um, this one seems like the biggest yes. to me. Maybe Eddie Redmayne is bigger, uh, just because he's the lead actor. Yeah. But how are you supposed to co-write a script yeah. with the with? with him after this you yeah know? yeah that one and also like i tweeted this but there's something so funny about the way that his his statement uh ends which is the you know he he he, he talks about how you know how important uh diversity is and how important trans rights are uh and how important it is to respect everyone's gender identity and he ends it with it seems very little to ask which is such, honestly, the most brutal thing that anyone has said in any of these statements. Um, yeah. Which is, I, I gotta be humiliating for her, I hope. I hope she feels humiliated by that. Um, but uh, one, you know, good for him. I think that, that was a, that's a fairly 
bold stance for someone in his position to take, I guess. But also, I, it just it raises so many more questions to me about like what's going on with this movie. What's what's going to happen? Yeah, it's really great that he did say something because I think that he is so behind the scenes, and unless you are really. I think like the average blockbuster goer isn't going to know the name of the right. script co-writer. Um, so it's not a, it doesn't seem like that much of a PR mm-hmm. thing in that. I don't think it could make or break him one way or the other. He's just. A script exactly. Writer. Exactly. He's not, he doesn't have uh, the same sort of like image to maintain that someone like Eddie Redmayne or Dan Fogler does. Right. Like, they are yeah. celebrities. Their entire job is having a, a positive image, right? Um, and so, you, you know, th- that, might, that might be too cynical on my part. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, oh, of course, those are, like, completely cynical, nakedly, obviously, untrue statements on their part. But, like, they have a, uh, like, they, they have a reason to, to, to release a public-facing statement that he, that Steve Clovis is someone who is, you know, just quote unquote is, is is a behind the scenes screenwriter guy just doesn't have the same optics to worry about right like mm-hmm. I, I think that that is quite an interesting position for him to to make himself visible in yeah and i mean i think even the fantastic beasts i've read it has been feeling pretty doomsday oh god it's so funny they're they are um they've been talking about like is are they is she gonna write the next movie should she write the next movie? Is anyone going to write the next movie? They they have not been having a good time over there. Interesting time to be a specifically Fantastic Beasts fan, I will say. Yeah, and I think that it, I think that there are a lot of things that probably would have been swept under the rug or have mm-hmm. been, but it's almost like it has reached a critical mass, right? Like between Johnny Depp, Ezra Miller, and now J.K. Rowling, it's all—all all of those things seem to multiply each yeah, other. Yeah, in a like, way. Like I'm, I'm hoping that this is the last straw, right? Like this is—they could, you know, we can handle one controversy, we can handle two controversies, but three controversies. Like hmm, at this point, maybe, maybe we should uh, uh, reconsider. I mean, like the, <laughs> the. So we've got like variety talking about it. We've got Screen Rant, which we talked about last week, how Screen Rant um posted a, a, a the kind of the first they were like the canary in the coal mine of the like, are they gonna keep making these? Um, that is now I think the prevailing narrative is like, is this movie happening? Um and I am curious to know because this is such a like it's in it's it's interesting to see this just because this is such a textbook case of like how narrative like in in like reporting can like snowball because I am sure mm-hmm. that someone at WB was still going like oh this will blow over this has blown over before everything will be fine we don't need to say anything but like as soon as some as soon as one website goes viral with is Fantastic Beasts going to be canceled that that idea is now like in the public consciousness now they have to respond to that some, some somehow and what i find interesting is that they haven't um i think normally if you were in a company and like some sort of you know it doesn't have to be something as as unpleasant as this rumor right it could just be like any 
any time, uh, like, I don't know, a game gets announced and then, like, ha- doesn't have a trailer for a couple E3s and everyone goes, is this game still coming? And they say, yes, here's some concept art. Here's the logo, right? It's very easy to do that kind of thing just to remind people that you're alive. They have not done that with Fantastic Beasts yet. Like, like you would think that if that if they were adamant about still making this movie, we would have gotten some co- sort of, like, Here's the announcement of the title or something this weekend, maybe. Uh, I'm I'm just very very curious. But like watching this narrative build, like like the longer it goes on and the more prevalent that question becomes, the crazier it's going to look if they don't do something. You know? Yeah, there was also that rumor that was going around about Eddie Redmayne yes. saying that he didn't want to work with J.K. Rowling, which I think is probably 50-50. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't... But just that the rumor is is circulating yeah. is interesting. Yeah, that that one's, that's one where I'm like, I bet that's half true, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, I, I am sure that Eddie Redmayne wishes he didn't have to work with jake right <laughs> i don't know how where that where from his heart that is coming right sure um yeah it doesn't really matter that's true with both the celebs i'm very curious about the chapter mm. the um i know we talked about it before but the celeb reading yeah um a philosopher's stone and i'm just like wondering if it just didn't get posted is there like a like a podcast on Spotify account that posts them? No, so they're all videos and they're only... So I was checking this recently because I was like, I wonder how many YouTube views these get. They're not posted on YouTube. They're only posted on an embedded video player on wizardingworld.com. Um, so you can't... They're on Spotify. They are on Spotify? I just... Yep, there, there's like a podcast. Account. Oh, there's a, okay. There's a podcast version. I did not realize that they have not. They have not posted. Obviously, last post was June 10th, which is the David Tennant, David Beckham one, Chapter 11. Yeah, huh? And it has been more than a week since then. So, and they're supposed to be. So a yeah, week it week. is like Wednesday and Thursdays. So they posted on Wednesday last week, the 10th, and then the one before that was on June 4th, which was a Thursday. Yeah, that one really seems like the. Like, that seems like a smoking gun to me. Like, I'm like, can you imagine if you were like, like, you know, again, talking about the idea of like the celeb's job is to like have a good public image, right? Like, Mm -hmm. imagine you're just some, I don't know, you're some actor, you're not really paying attention to the news, but you're like, oh, yeah, sure, I will be in this charity Harry Potter thing. And then all this happens. (laughs) Can you imagine the frantic phone calls? they might be making just going like do not do not put this out do not make it look like i endorsed jk rowling right now like that's got to be happening right now right yeah i wonder if there's like a behind the scenes fight because presumably it's all recorded ahead of time i'm sure they've already done it and all submitted probably the same time and i just wonder if there's like pr people on behalf of those celebs like calling Calling whoever is putting out, you know, Pottermore or Wizarding World mm-hmm. or whatever and having a fight with them like you need to pull this. Yeah. Like, do not do not do this. Yeah, I wonder how like I wonder what level of contract was drawn up for those or if those were more just like gentlemen's agreement like, hey, do you want to do this kind of thing? 
Uh, That's fascinating. Yeah, I'm so curious. I'm 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 on I'm on chapter watch here. I want to know if they ever post it. I mean, like I was thinking about this too. The I um, the first one of those was Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, and that I wonder if being that visible so recently with J.K. Rowling is part of what prompted him to actually make a statement. So like. Like I, I'm like, like I, I don't mean in the sense of like, oh, like he's so cynical, like, like he, of course he would do this with an ulterior motive, but I just mean that like his statement going direct to like the Trevor Project and making this big donation and and t- t- like the way that his uh, uh, um, statement was written was clearly very um considered and i would i would like it seems like he talked to some people about like hey what's what what do i say in this situation right <laughs> yeah um i mean like as as he should right if he doesn't know what to say he should, he should ask for help but like yes it, i i do wonder if he hadn't been involved with something directly with jk rowling like two weeks one week ahead of time or whatever if he would have if he would have been made such a like big opening move i suppose yeah god i will be very curious if chapter 12 comes out today yeah i mean the they posted on the wizarding world official account at 701 a.m our time just a a link to an like a normal pottermore article the pros and cons of being a seeker and said in chapter 11 harry plays his first quidditch match as gryffindor seeker the youngest in a century what are the pros and cons of playing the position <laughs> of seeker <laughs> So really inspiring stuff. We're never going to know what happens in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> if only there was some other way to find out. <laughs> but yeah, I am I am like I am fascinated by the situation still. It is I I feel like we're doing aftershock. Like like we like we had the huge blow up. We, you know, like things have kind of fizzled since then she hasn't she hasn't like made any news statements really she's just come back to post ichabogs um a few more like celebs have have spoken out i think some members of like the cursed the original cursed child cast talked about it as well so like like it's out there but like the we have not seen the last of this situation i don't think as much as maybe she wants it to be the the last of the situation i think that's what she's kind of like playing for right now is boy i hope if i retweet these ichabogs things will go back to normal and everyone will love me like last time this happened but like i i don't yeah i don't know her whole all of her likes are um are all just like turfs tweeting at her so oh is that like is she's she still liking, liking stuff she, that i actually yeah was she's not. she's liking so she'll retweet an ichabog there, I've, this is just a just a sample of the ecosystem mm. in the replies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There will be two people probably that say like "fuck turfs," "fuck you," "fuck you," transphobe, and then there will be immediately all of the turfs in that person's replies saying one of two things, which are "J.K. Rowling is not a transphobe," or "this is a space for kids. Do not use that language." What if the children see it? Um, and then all of the other replies on the Ichabog will be people with like turf accounts saying like, hashtag I stand with JK Rowling. 
or obvious turf accounts that are just also mimicking what she is saying to the child. Like, Those wow, are my this favorite. is so great. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my favorite. Before she came back and started retweeting the Ichabogs again, there were accounts that were just doing that, like, in the tag. Like, just <laughs> quoting, going like, like, wow, James, that is such a beautiful Ichabog. I love his horns or whatever. And it, this would be, like, accounts with, like, 50 followers or whatever. Just trying to get attention so pathetic just some just some weirdo stuff going on <laughs> so yeah so so i guess i guess she's made her bed and it is unclear of whether or not she is prepared to sleep in it yet but uh i am so curious about the fantastic beast situation and also this wizarding world situation because i mean like i mean if if people at like hachette are are rebelling that can't be the only company right like people in yeah and that's only just for the stupid ichabog too no one cares about the ichabog yeah fuck the ichabog no one gives a shit there's like if there are people rebelling over the ichabog and not wanting to work on the ichabog you bet your ass there are people involved in harry potter stuff who are just like she's gotta go or i'm or i go right like like I'm, i'm you know Shout out to to anyone who is uh, who is stuck in that situation. That fucking sucks, and uh, I hope that they, I hope that they can affect some change there. Get get WB to just sever that connection entirely. Get them to cancel that movie. Maybe there are so many solutions to this, right? But it's like I just want to see one taken at this point. Just just any action. Yeah, I I noticed that uh, we obviously got statements from from the big three: Harry, Ron, and Hermione, yeah. Daniel, Rupert, and Emma. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought I would check in on Tom Felton because <laughs> um, I've noticed he was missing. I know I like, and I don't think anyone's told him. I don't think anyone's gone into the the forest at the at the Wizarding World theme park and told Tom Felton what's going on. Yeah, I, I mean the Wi-Fi is probably pretty bad there in that forest. Yeah, I think he's probably just getting tweets printed out and sent to him in the forest. He does have some great tweets, though. I am obsessed with the one that you found and sent me where he said, uh, Amadeus is good as ever. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I agree with him. Amadeus, what a film. Simpsons season four flower emoji, incredible. Yeah, see, it's going to take him a while to catch up, I think. (laughs) He's only on season four of The Simpsons. That's from, like, 1993. (laughs) Honestly, if some evil genius over at the Wizarding World wants to call Tom Felton and be like, hey, emergency, can you read a chapter of Harry Potter for us? Oh, no. Wait, they they don't even have to do that. (laughs) They could, like, force him to do it. They just need to pay him to do it on Cameo. They just need to pay 200 bucks on Cameo and tell him to read an entire chapter of Harry Potter. Oh my god, he'll do it too. He'll, do it. he'll be wa- he'll be walking around in a dark alley the whole time. <laughs> um and at the end he will kiss his hand, like do a do a goodbye kiss. Oh um, fuck. And that'll be the whole rest of the book. Oh god, he'll be rubbing his neck like he does in everything, <laughs> every video. <laughs> oh, poor Tom. I love Tom. He is right. Amadeus is a great movie. <laughs> that's that's Yeah, and Simpson season four. That's a good one. That's one of the good ones. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. 
I've never, I've never watched The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. That's that why, was, that's no, my that reveal. Was, remember that was like that's early podcast lore. As I would keep on making Simpsons references, and you wouldn't get them, and then you revealed that you'd never seen it, and I had to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a good show. That's that's what yeah, I have do. to say. Shrieking Shack as good as ever, just like Amadeus. That's right. Flower emoji. Flower emoji. All right. Shall we get to our chapter for this week? Yeah, I did a bad job again this week. I'm just too... I'm having some residual anger. How much of it is your residual anger, and how much is it that these chapters just fucking blow? I guess, actually, this one's better, but not good, but still. Yeah, it's really boring. I just was, like, writing down what happened, and I didn't really care (laughs) um, to put it in order or really pay much attention at all. Um, And I don't feel bad about it this week, Mm -hmm, actually. mm -hmm. Um, This is chapter six. It's called The Ghoul in Pajamas. Um... We're at the borough now. Hermione's there too, and she's done some research on Horcruxes. Um, but they can't—they can't talk about it because they got to prepare for this wedding. Uh, and it's the Horcruxes are a big secret um, from everyone else because Dumbledore told Harry that he could only tell Ron and Hermione. Um, we also get some some. L- I guess lore sort of about how they can't go to Grimmauld place anymore um, because it's not safe because Dumbledore died. And maybe he was like the master secret keeper or the secret keeper. And when he died, all the other secret keepers that knew the secret became secret keepers. So there's too many. So they could all tell someone else. I'm biting uh, my lip so hard. I don't (laughs) want to editorialize in the middle of your yeah and i'm not editorializing either <laughs> at all. um and, and also snape is one of the new regular secret keepers so of course it's compromised but they have put special spells on there but we don't know if it'll work um lupin and and, and hermione and ron kind of go to harry and they're like listen molly's really gonna try to like corner you and figure out what we're gonna go find out about our quest um arthur and lupin we told that we won't tell them. So they've kind of given up, but Molly hasn't. Um, And indeed Molly lures Harry um, kind of away from everyone else and starts grilling him about like, where are you going? Why do you think this is okay? You're just kids. Why are you taking Ron Hermione? This is stupid. Uh, But Harry stands his ground um, and, and says like, we're doing this. I have to do it. I can't tell you what it is. Uh, And once once Molly realizes that this is not going to work, she kind of just changes tactics and is like, okay, well, I'm going to need a lot of help preparing for the wedding. Um, And basically, the rest of the chapter is framed around this idea that Molly is putting them all to work so much from sunup to sundown working on this wedding that Harry, Ron, and Hermione can't take some time to themselves to plan their big find the object quest. Um, during this time, Harry does kind of talk to Ginny a little bit. They, they have a, um, they, they kind of run into each other while they're, we're working on wedding preparations and Ginny talks to him and is like, Oh, you, so you weren't joking about us breaking up and going on a quest. And he's like, Nope, I wasn't sorry. Um, we also find out, uh, just kind of, uh, ambiently as people are coming and going that, they can't find Moody's body. Um, and they think that like maybe Death Eaters cleaned up after themselves, like hid the body or something and they'll never find it. And it's sad and everyone's sad. Um, 
Harry, Ron, and Hermione do finally kind of t- find time to to kind of sneak away and talk. Um, Ron wants to be optimistic that maybe Moody lived, and that's why they can't find the body. But Harry and Hermione disagree because that makes no sense. Uh, and Hermione ends up getting really upset and is like, "I'm so sad, Moody, and I." We we knew each other, and I'm crying now. Um, And Harry kind of jumps up to try to comfort her, but Ron intercepts, and we remember that they're a couple now. Um, Hermione shows all the books that she summoned about Horcruxes, and she used a summoning spell to get them out of Dumbledore's office. We learned some Horcrux facts. I'm sure we can can break those down later. Um, Harry then decides to, to kind of ask, like, are you guys really committed? Are you really doing this? Uh, and Hermione explains that she has obliviated her parents to forget about her and move to Australia. And then Ron shows about how he's committed by showing him that they transfigured a ghoul to lay in bed and pretend to be him and then tell everyone at Hogwarts that he stayed home for the year because he had a disease. Um, Harry wants to go to Godric's Hollow first because he thought there might be answers there. So that's kind of their first plan. Uh, Hermione explains some kind of more Horcrux facts about how you have to destroy them real good. Um, Molly interrupts their planning session um, and is really mad and tells them they have to help with wedding stuff more. Uh, Fleur's family arrives. Um, Molly asks Harry how he would like to spend his birthday. And he's like, just a dinner, please. Uh, And she says she's going to invite Tonks and Lupin and Harry at the very last paragraph of the chapter is like, I wish I wasn't inconveniencing the Weasleys so darn much. That's it. Okay. I've been, I've been like physically clamping down my tongue this entire time. The Mm -hmm. secret keeper shit is the most insane. Like you can't just drop that lore on us. What that I, I, my head was spinning as soon as that, that, that like explanation of why they weren't in the whole place anymore started because I thought that the entire purpose of a secret keeper was that there was just one. So here's how, so let's break it down. Okay. There's the, there's a secret keeper, yeah. right? And in this case, it was Dumbledore and he knew the secret of where Grimold place was and he could tell other people where it was. But once he died, the spell transferred and made everyone who he has ever told the secret to their own discreet secret keepers who then have that power. Is that right? I, I so Yes. I, I think that that is how we are supposed to take it. But like that just completely flies in the face of everything that I have come to understand about what the point of the secret keeper thing is. Because... If if he's the secret keeper, if if that's the case, then when when Peter Pettigrew, I go, oh, I guess he's not dead, but we can still. Um, I'm already my head's already hurting thinking about. Okay, how about how about this? Okay. So in the year or two, maybe that Lily and James and Harry and little baby Harry lived in the house in Godric's Hollow. Yeah. And Peter was the secret keeper. Do you think that, like, they ever had, like, a Memorial Day barbecue and they had, well, I guess it wouldn't be Memorial Day. It would be Guy Fox Day. They had a Guy Fox Day barbecue um, and they were like, Peter, we <laughs> need you to send out the invitations <laughs> to everyone because we can't tell anyone where we live. And so Peter had to spend a day writing, like, handwriting invitations to all of their friends to tell them where the barbecue is. And then 
many, many years later, when Peter Pettigrew is eventually killed by Voldemort, like, you know, 17, 20 years later, everyone that went to the barbecue is now a secret keeper for Godric's Hollow. That So that is what this new lore seems to imply. <laughs> uh-huh. Which, like, is, I guess, an interesting way to... <laughs> the problem is, is that's just secrets. That's not magic. That's just how secrets work. Um, mm. But also, does that mean then that Harry is also a secret keeper now? Because he knows where Grim- he he went to Grimmauld yes. place. Yeah, he would be one of them. Yeah. So, but also I have a question about Godric's Hollow because obviously Voldemort went there because Peter Pettigrew, who was the secret keeper, told him about it. But does that mean that Voldemort is also a secret keeper? Of Godric's Hollow right. once Peter Pettigrew dies. Because my understanding was that, like, once the secret was out, the spell was Exactly. That's, uh, that right? is like, what I thought Voldemort... the entire point was. Because, like, the way that it was portrayed when Grimmauld Place was the Order headquarters was that, like, I, I thought the entire point of the Secret Keeper was that, like, they, they were, like, the one barrier that, like, made it a mutual secret for everyone involved. Not that they're literally the only ones who know what it is until they make someone else a secret keeper. Well, but the other people don't become a secret keeper until you, oh, until, they, until di- they die. Which I think is why Dumbledore had to like write out the secret to every discreet person that went to Grimmauld Place. But then anyone that received that was is now the new secret keeper because Dumbledore. But did died. Harry? Because because Moody took him there, right? Moody showed him, Moody handed him a piece of paper from Dumbledore. Oh, that's right. Okay, so Harry is now that this is so stupid. This is just, that's not magic. That's just a normal secret. Don't worry, though. (laughs) Moody put special spells on Grimmauld Place to make Snape's tongue get tied if he tries to tell someone the secret because Snape is also a secret keeper, but we don't know if they'll work. Boy, that'll sure, that'll <laughs> sure, like, get Snape, like, executed gangland style if that ever happens. That's right. <laughs> so stupid. So unnecessarily confusing. I was, I, my brain got tied in knots by that whole thing. I was like, because, because it's. It's just not a secret anymore. I guess the the way that the Secret Keeper spell worked previously, or at least the way that it was explained to us in the story, worked very specifically for a situation involving, like, four people. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically a building that no one was supposed to go to. Now that it has to, like, stretch to fit a building that, like, 20 people go in and out of all the time, it... And also one of them died. It just, like, it had, I guess it just had to basically be rewritten from the ground up to make this make sense. It's so, like, non-thematic. Like, yeah. the idea that for, like, a headquarters of an organization should be able to use the the Secret Keeper spell, I can't remember what it's called, um, seems, like, opposed to the spirit of what it is. Yeah, I think, I thought, like, the entire, like, the entire concept of the Secret Keeper thing in book three is, like, it's just supposed to represent, like, a grave betrayal between friends, right? 
Like, and it serves that purpose really well in that story. Mm -hmm. It's a little more confusing when it becomes like hiding an office building, basically. Um, because it no longer has that, like, uh, you, it, like, like, like the, the, the entire point was that they like put all of their trust in one person and it was the wrong person. Yeah. It also feels like it's sort of, I, I know that this isn't like true lore and is obviously destroyed by this in particular, but it had kind of this like spirit of an idea that there is an ob like a a person that you're trying to keep a secret from, right? Like yes. Voldemort was trying to come and kill the Potters, mm -hmm. and so the secret was not only just made the house impossible to find, but it made the house impossible to find by Voldemort, and they mm -hmm. were betrayed to Voldemort, who when he showed up, yeah. the secret is destroyed, the spell is destroyed, they were destroyed. Yeah, like that's. I don't need to know the like mechanics of the spell to understand like the thematic weight of what is happening there. Like what's the difference between secret keeping and making a building unplottable in this new definition of secret keeper? Um, well, if it's unplottable, then Peter Pettigrew, who is now walking the length <laughs> of England to make a two-scale Marauder's map so that they can find Harry Potter, will not be able to plot uh, this is the unplottable house <laughs> on his two-scale map. Oh, God. Yeah, sorry to take such a long detour on this thing, but, like, I just, I've been, I've been buzzing over that one ever since I read it. Like, I just, I don't understand why, like, like just another thing to throw on the pile of, like, changes that are, have been made just so thing you remember can be referenced. Yeah, and it's just, it, it's not... It's, it's again, it's meaningless. This is just going to be like a common refrain, but I just have to go back to it every time because it's just like, I don't even have a problem. I, like, I don't need someone to explain to me why it's not a plot hole or mm -hmm. why it doesn't contradict itself. It's just like, here's thing again to be used in this circumstance because you remember it. No, it doesn't really mean anything. It just is like a mechanic now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's so boring. <laughs> it sucks. It's the exact same as the Polyjuice Potion. It's the exact same as, like, the broomsticks, right? It's just, it's, these things have no, no thematic weight anymore. Also, I feel like, um, if it, if the book had just said, like, Dumbledore died, so it's, and he was the secret keeper, so the building, it can be found, like, isn't protected now mm -hmm. that would be plenty yeah you know yeah because i mean okay god, god, I'm, oh you're right i'm just realizing because the, the 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 end result is they have to leave grimall place anyway so why the fuck yeah. does it matter how many people are secret keepers it's now like, well just say Dumbledore was the primary secret keeper and then he died so everyone else became primary secret keepers but there are too many for us but also moody put some spells but also we don't know if they'll work <laughs> just, that's it why doesn't we can't go to Grimmauld just say Dumbledore died the secret's out we're going to the burrow now done <laughs> none of this matters <laughs> Oh, let's talk about this uh, Molly conversation, which I think is like one of the core pieces of this chapter. Yeah, so Molly lures Harry to alone by telling him that she found a sock and she's not who's it, sure whose it is. So Harry goes and Molly, Molly wants to put a stop to all this foolishness. 
I'm 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 looking at this like a big tasty piece of meat. Yeah. Because I'm like well, we're, there's one detail in here that I'm looking at like a big tasty piece. I of know. Meat. I know. But you I are. think I need to, I think I need to wait on that one and we should talk about it in broader terms first. Do you know how hard it was not to put that detail in the summary cuz I knew we were going to talk about it <laughs> and I was like I so can't I can't. Funny. Uh okay. So the Molly Harry conflict in this chapter, as outlined by this scene, is like I I enjoyed this chapter more than I think any other chapter we've read so far of this book. Um, mm-hmm. And I think part of it is because I do. I I, I was about to. Say, I don't think I like this conflict as presented, but it is the closest thing to a conflict I've enjoyed in this book so far, um, because it does get at like a real like it gets close to like a real interesting character conflict which is molly behaving like a a surrogate mother to harry uh and also like harry like this this plays into like harry's determination to not let ron go with him um like there there's there's an interesting dynamic happening here um but it's Similar to the the Secret Keeper stuff, it's bogged down by, like, a bunch of extraneous details that I think give it the opposite effect and just make me annoyed that it's, like, getting in the way of the book happening, if that makes sense. Yeah, I honestly think it's very similar to the um, Dursley's chapter in that I don't think the problem is the way that Molly's behaving. I think the problem is that Harry doesn't have a consistent enough character to pull off this conflict yes. in a in a way that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Because at its core, it feels honestly like everything that I've asked for, which is that Harry is motivated here. I think the I think the Horcrux quest is silly and i think that i think that it's silly Mm -hmm. um but but i can work with it (laughs) i can (laughs) work with harry going on this quest wanting to go on this quest being like dumbledore told me to go on this quest so now i have to that is my motivation Mm -hmm. and then to have his like surrogate mom here trying to protect Ron and trying to protect Hermione and also kind of trying to protect Harry um, and, and being, you know, motherly and Harry feeling like he like has to is, is having like a conflict with her, but it ends up just feeling frustrating because Harry can't consistently react to other characters (laughs) because he's just like this constant aloof, he, he, like, in this chapter, he goes between being, like, aloof Iron Man-type character, like, Marvel protagonist guy, um, and being honestly just not a teenage boy. Yeah. that I mean, like, this I has guess. been a problem since, like, the end of book six, right? And, like, I think it's also really interesting and, and like, damning to consider this Harry against the Harry that is at the end of book six, which, like... I know that these books were written multiple years apart, mm-hmm. but in the story, it it has been two weeks, uh, or I think no, I think it's been like one week since since the uh, since the like closing of book six because they stayed at Hogwarts an extra week in the break for the funeral, 
Uh, then Harry went back to the Dursleys for a week, and then he's back at the Burrow to prepare for this wedding before the Hogwarts term starts. So it's like, it's been a week since Harry was told that there was going to be a wedding at the Burrow, and he said, oh, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I love weddings. I'm a 16-year-old boy. I love going to weddings of people I don't know. Um, and, like, he, now he's here, and he got here, and he's super pissed, and also motivated to just, like, leave immediately after all this shit happened to get him to this wedding that he said he was excited for, and then I guess just forgot about. Um, and... Meanwhile, the story is dancing around a really potentially heartbreaking conflict. Um, and I like I, I I I only bring this up because I think that it really does just sort of fizzle out here and 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 you know, Molly relents and they all go on their merry way and have this adventure, and then she shows up at the Battle of Hogwarts to say, Not my daughter, you bitch, blah blah blah. But like this like there's a there's a real gut punch of a possible scene here of Harry telling Molly you are not my mom, right? Yeah. Which is like would be devastating to read. Like like and I want Harry cuz like Harry's motivated here, but he's not motivated enough to like rock the boat. He's just, he, like, the most he'll do is say that little, that little pissy, like, oh, by the way, that's not my sock. I don't support that Quidditch team, which is the way that the <laughs> scene ends, which, like, is interesting in a way, but it's, like, it's frustrating because, like, the, the, like, the story could start happening right now. <laughs> like, conflict could start happening. Character relationships could be challenged right now, and they're not, you know? And and so we're just left to this, like, endless song and dance of, of characters not saying what they really mean to each other. Which can be interesting. I love stories where characters dance around not saying, you know, saying what they really mean to each other. But this is a, an adventure story where a guy needs to go and collect six magical rocks to beat the bad guy. And I just want him to start doing that. And so I'm like, just just do it. Just 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 tear this band-aid off already yeah and, and just the way he acts that you're right like it just dances away from any kind of interesting conflict at any at any point in time and it ends up having this effect where i felt like this chapter was a slog where harry is like walking around avoiding like a video game patrol that's molly <laughs> weasley like trying to avoid her vision cone while he's trying to like talk to ron and hermione but is just refusing at any point to become frustrated or feel disillusioned by her mm -hmm. acting like his mom, but in a way that it's like, I don't get to actually be a part of their family, but I have to do all this stupid work mm -hmm. and have to be told what to do and be treated like a little kid when I have to go out on my big Rambo quest. <laughs> I, I, and I'm not being supported in my Rambo quest. I also just find the basic premise ridiculous. Like, I don't find the premise of Molly's behavior ridiculous. I think that that as like a passive aggressive way to keep them apart is a really interesting and funny detail. Mm -hmm. What I am amused and frustrated by is the fact that it works for most of the chapter. Like I know that weddings take a lot of work to get going, but like this is a house with like 20 people in it. You're telling me that like 
like these teenagers aren't just going to stay up late and talk to each other in their rooms or whatever. Like that is such a bizarre idea that like, not only would Molly be petty enough to like surreptitiously try and keep them away from each other, but that like the power that she wields actually works in this situation. I, I, I find that really funny. I, it, it is remarkable to me that this chapter does manage to be successful in evoking a feeling in me, which is that I can put myself in Harry's position mm-hmm. and it makes me really angry. But then the cognitive dissonance of having, having him not react yeah. and instead act like he's like a protagonist in a Regency novel yes. where it's like, yes, Mrs. Weasley, I will go clean the chicken coop. Like where, where is Harry being like, no, you're not my mom. No, I don't care about this wedding. This is your, your deal. I literally like, that's what I would have done when I was 17. Right I'm literally going on a quest to collect the magic rocks to save the world. Like it is, it's just too, it's too passive for the, for the stakes that we have been given. And like, not only have we been given, but like the entire sixth book was devoted to making both Harry as the protagonist and us as the audience buy into the importance and the, like the stakes of this quest. And he's just not doing anything about it. And not in an interesting, like, oh, I'm a reluctant hero, I'm dragging my feet way. He's just kind of being, like, a petulant little bitch. While he, when he could really actually just, like, say what he means. It, like, it, it, here's, here's what it feels like. It feels less like I'm bought into Harry not wanting to rock the boat with Molly. And more like J.K. Rowling likes these characters too much and doesn't want to have Harry and Molly have a fight right yeah well if they would i would like both of the characters more yeah honestly because i think molly is right Mm -hmm. in a way yeah i also think harry is right in his way and neither of them are acting like that and i just hate them both yeah it's it's just super frustrating because like yeah this i mean this is similar we had a similar situation in book five where molly like wanted to protect harry from like what the order was doing right Mm-hmm. And, like, I really felt for her in those scenes, even though I didn't necessarily fully agree with her, but I could really understand her character in those scenes. And they really did come to a head in those scenes. Like, like, and, and like, I think the reason that that, that was able to happen was because basically Sirius argued on Harry's behalf in those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you did get to see Molly's true emotions and you did get to see Sirius's on behalf of Harry's true emotions in those scene scenes. Yeah. Um, Whereas here, they're both being passive aggressive, and like I look again, like I said, I love a good story where both characters are being passive aggressive in a situation, but the stakes that have been presented to us make it impossible for me to buy into that right now. Yeah, I, and I think it's time to get to the meat. Oh, the juicy, and juicy wanna, meat. We have to. Um, and I and I want to start before before we get into before we tuck into this meat uh, before we get our steak knife and really just just cut into a big juicy piece of meat. <laughs> I want to say that like one of my biggest problems with Harry's character in this chapter is that apparently J.K. Rowling's editor did not tell her no <laughs> and say no you can't write Harry 
in your voice so much, yeah. right? Like she puts too much of what she cares about and what she would notice as like a middle-aged mom into Harry's observations about the world. Like um, following on from what we talk- talked about last week with the like philosophy on pacifism stuff, right? Where it's like, I-, yeah. I don't necessarily disagree, but it's insane that a 16-year-old in this situation believes this, right? Yeah, this is just like, why is Harry thinking about family in the way that J.K. Rowling would think about family. <laughs> so, so here it is. Here is, here's the, here's the line. Yum yum. Um, and this, and this is during the scene where um, Molly and Harry are talking, and and Molly um, is upset about the quest. Well, frankly, I think Arthur and I have a right to know, and I'm sure Mr. and Mrs. Granger would agree. Said Mrs. Weasley. Harry had been afraid of the concerned parent attack. He forced himself to look directly into her eyes, noticing as he did so that they were precisely the same shade of brown as Ginny's. This did not help. This is the single most psycho paragraph in Harry Potter, the entire series. It is, I had to read and reread this multiple times. This made my brain reboot. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what to say about like, it. Like, what? <laughs> there are a couple. Honestly, there are a couple of scenes in this in this chapter that are just completely out of pocket. I think in this same way. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> like, this is some first draft shit. This is crazy, and it, and it's really like first draft shit in that it is a line that is so clumsy and weird and feels like you just write it because you need to just like get down what you mean and you'll come back to it later and that line i mean is harry had been afraid of the quote concerned parent attack what is that like (laughs) what harry has never had parents Harry's never had a concerned parent, and he certainly wouldn't know a concerned parent attack. And also, why is it written like it's like a fighting game? Yeah, move? I was, yeah, it's it's like it's like in a like a poorly translated anime thing where it's like, ah, you're going to use that technique. Yeah, <laughs> and then to follow that up, that like weird clumsy line that already made me feel like I like walked down the stairs and like missed a stair. <laughs> It immediately goes into, he forced himself to look directly into her eyes, noticing as he did so that they were precisely the same shade of brown as Ginny's. This did not help. I know that J.K. Rowling is, like, obsessed with eye color and, like, family trees and stuff, but there is no world where Harry, a 16-year-old boy, would make this observation. It's also just so fucking, it's the, this did not help tag on that is where like I just completely blue screened mentally because eye color is like one of the only thing like we've talked about how like like th- this this is hand in hand with with what you're saying about like JK Rowling has a really hard time writing Harry as a teenage boy um as, as specifically as like a a straight teenage boy right like We've talked about it in the way that, like, men are always described in much richer detail than the women, like, visually and stuff. Um, But, like, Harry noticing someone's eye color 
means two things. Like one, it means he's thinking about someone telling him that he has his mother's eyes or he's looking at a pretty girl. Cause like Ginny's eyes are something he's noticed. Like his, her eyes and her hair are the two things she, she, he notices about women. And so I was, yeah, he's never looked into Ron's eyes and be like, you have the eyes of my girlfriend. Oh yeah. Your siblings. (laughs) Yeah. It is just, it is, I mean to to borrow to borrow our confession post from a couple of weeks ago it's freudian like it's it's just <laughs> it's really uncomfortable this moment it just isn't appropriate for harry the character it's, to observe it's just so bizarre yeah like 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 you say it just it it's first draft stuff um like you could like if you want if you if the theme of this chapter and this scene is meant to be like you know Harry recognizing, like the the like the familial ties that are making Molly behave this way, right? And and the way that he rec- you know the way that he like as ridiculous as it would be for a teenage boy to like do this, like like to recognize it through eye color, you could just say that like. He, you know her eyes are brown or whatever and let the reader put those pieces together right because we're not stupid like we like like readers will piece details like that together when thinking about themes characters and facts mm. but this this thing about how like oh precisely the same shades of brown as Ginny's, this did not help it's like okay laying it on way too thick making it weird and just sucking all life out of this scene all in one go. Um, do you think that wizards like don't have um, like basic biology classes? So <laughs> like they never did the like Punnett square thing. And so the like experience of being a wizard, like adult or otherwise is like going through the world and be like, huh, these pea plants, sometimes they have yellow, white flowers and sometimes <laughs> they don't. I wonder why that is. Honestly, huh. there's another, there, this is, this is not worth saving until the actual scene. This is just a minor uh-huh. detail. There was a part where I had a very similar reaction when um, Ron talked about Spattergroit spreading to your uvula. Uh-huh. And I was like, why do wizards know what a uvula is? <laughs> what? Like, what, and, and like, I yeah, you're right. Just like, like characters never, maybe that's what they do in muggle studies is they, they do like, like high school biology stuff. But yeah, it is. It's 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 bizarre. It's awkward. It 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 sucks all the air out of this scene. I just, I I I, I don't know what to say. Absolutely I, one like, of the craziest paragraphs in this whole series. There's a fine version of this if this was a first draft, and this is like a huge reach because this is such a bizarre sentence that I don't even know what she was going for. To be quite honest, but I could see a world where if the conflict was more fleshed out, and it was about this conflict between Harry, who all this time was invited to like the Weasleys like Christmases and birthdays, and they treat him like a son and he has this moment where he has to be like i i'm not their kid you know mm-hmm. i'm not i'm never going to be their kid but also at the same time having the like teenage teenage boy realization of like oh this is my girlfriend's mom <laughs> right right yeah. like there's stuff you can do there yeah. but the like oh they have the same eyes this is such a weird manifestation of that yeah yeah it's 
I just like fundamentally, I know that it's like a literary, like a common literary technique. I just, I can never ever relate to like anything that obsesses over eye color. I, I don't know what anyone's eye color is. I, yeah, I don't know what your I <laughs> I see you on on a, like a Discord call every week. Yeah. When when we play role playing games, I could not tell you what color your eyes are. I forget what color my eyes are. Like I don't know. I don't know what anyone's eye color is. <laughs> no, I mean maybe that's. I just. I think that's like a literary technique that we could just retire. Yeah. <laughs> Unless someone has like yellow eyes, then you could point that out. Because if I saw someone out in the world that had like bright yellow cat eyes, it'd be like, wow, that person has yellow eyes. But that's the only time I'm going to notice. And if they and had long white hair and cool golden boots, maybe, and like a really that's deep gravelly voice. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> then I'd be like, oh yeah, my boyfriend Gerald has yellow cat eyes. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely exceptions, but for the most part, I'm just like, I could not tell you anyone's eye color, anyone in my family, any of my friends, myself. I used to, like, I th- I think the furthest I go I've ever gone with eye color is that when I was like thirteen, I I I would say, um, I absolutely like bought into the idea that my eyes changed color like oh some days they're blue and some days they're gray right that's right <laughs> like 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 oh I've, i'm very interesting actually my eyes change color like that was the, <laughs> that was like I, I, like a brief flirtation with caring about eye color for like a week and then i read that that was complete bullshit and your eyes don't change color and i learned, that's right i learned what lighting was <laughs> right like just oh god so yeah, uh, one of the bonk- most bonkers sequences in this in this book in this series as well. Yeah, and then it's immediately followed up by the most lame fall flat conversations between Harry and Ginny, where for some for some fucking reason, Harry, who's been like last book, we were like I like. I'm having such a hard time, but it's okay because I get to hang out with my girlfriend Ginny and we get to like make out all the time. Mm-hmm. And then he's been away from her for like two weeks and then sees her again. They have a conversation and he, th- he like idly thinks to himself, oh, I, I didn't even realize that this is the first time we've seen each other and been <laughs> alone together. Are you kidding? Like, no way. <laughs> no, no way. No 16 year old who's like making out with their hot girlfriend and then like, has to be away from them for like two weeks is going to just like forget <laughs> and be like oh oh yeah i forgot we were dating oh. i didn't notice that we were just alone together for the first uh, time we're just gonna have this like extremely sterile conversation where you say like oh are you still going on your quest yeah i am going on my quest I, i'm bye did, did was the scene this, the scene at the end of book six was treated as it treated like a breakup, right? Basically, like I guess I, I don't know. I I, th- I think it treated like a breakup, which like almost makes me wish it like leaned harder in that direction because it makes it makes these scenes really kind of funny because it's like this isn't awkward enough for like oh this is my girlfriend i was making out with a week ago and now we're broken broken up and now we're like in the same house like they they seem like they they the way they're behaving with each other in this scene is like 
two co-workers who saw each other get a little too drunk at a company party the day, night before and don't want to... Yeah, s- they're, like, meeting at the coffee or be like, oh, still doing that report today? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... it's There's... There's very little romantic tension here. It's just like I don't know. Yeah, like like I said, it's it's uh, it, it's very droll office drama type stuff. This is unprecedented. I want to talk about something that happened last chapter mm. because a few people pointed it out to us on Twitter. Oh and yes, di- I have been dying to talk yes, about yes, this yes, yes, it, yes. It is a detail from last chapter that I did not even like. It didn't even register for me, and I've been thinking about it all week. Um, which is that, and thank you to the the couple people that pointed us out, pointed it out. Yeah, on several, several people um, wrote in about this, and they're absolutely correct. Um, Lupin says to Harry and Hagrid, "I don't need to check Hagrid for Polyjuice Potion um, because he like it doesn't. It only works on humans." Um, and the question is, why did it work on Fleur? i i'm upset by this only because it's so cool if this were setting it up for lupin to be a traitor yeah or compromised in some way yeah yeah like that's the only way out of this is like you know like 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 if, if this was like a clue of his inconsistent behavior or whatever but it just seems like it's inconsistent writing instead like we found some hilarious uh, explanations for it too. The fandom has really thought about this one. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of posts you can find on Reddit and Quora, which one of these days we're going to need to do. I think we're going to need to do some Quora third segments. Uh, Quora is an underrated website. Um, lots of it. Yeah. Excellent. Harry. It's a website I forget about, but I'm delighted anytime <laughs> I come across it. Um, but like there are a lot of people who are ready to talk to you about wizarding world race science and how uh because giants have bigger bones than vila they they can't use polyjuice potion there are a lot of people out there saying things very authoritatively that just are completely meaningless that, like not like like both nonsense outside of the story but also just nonsense when like presented with the facts of the story it's not that like at no point did lupin say hagrid you fool your bones are too big you can't have <laughs> potion. Your it bones just says are far too dense it just says it doesn't work on, it only works on humans. It's only for humans. And it isn't as if he said, sorry, Hagrid, it doesn't work on giants. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, just a big whoopsie. Uh, but I guess because uh, uh, Fleur is a hot girl, like, that's di- that's that's fundamentally different than being a big giant, I guess. it's It's bad. It's real bad. Big whiff to make in uh, book seven out of seven when you're trying to make a mystery uh, uh, about who who could possibly have given the order away. And it feels like it really is setting it up because even 
there's even a, a part in here where it's like Fleur is maybe still suspicious of Hagrid, which is mm-hmm. like such a good red herring um, yeah. or, or, or whatever. And I'm pretty sure it just goes nowhere. So yeah. I just can't believe this. I've been obsessed with this. I, yeah, I'm very curious because I uh, like, you know, I've, I've, I've said many, many times that this is the book I remember the least details from. But like, I don't remember this betrayal plot going anywhere. I don't think I because it, it, it ends up being mostly immaterial, I think. Yeah, I have I have no idea. Okay, I could be completely wrong, but but like like as is we have a mystery where like immediately the core mechanic of the puzzle, the polyjuice potion just doesn't like work or like like the rules of this tool are not followed in the presentation of this puzzle and it just it immediately makes it pointless really mm-hmm. all right yeah i i just really wanted to talk about that i've been thinking about it a lot uh so so we can get back to our <laughs> our actual chapter here yes yes so i i think the next most important scene is uh uh harry hermione and ron talking about Oh, how sad it is that Mad Eye is dead. It's and also, so sad. It's so sad. I just can't stop being sad the, about Mad Eye. Uh, uh, Hermione's big old book collection. Yeah. Um. So, I guess we'll talk about Mad Eye. So he fell off his broom, and now they can't find his body. But he was also hit by a killing curse, and we're really sad about it. Um, is this the part where? they talk about where they say his catchphrase was constant vigilance or is that later? No, that, that this is a very long scene. Um, but yes, this it is this part uh, after Hermione gets very upset. That is how Ron cheers her up by reminding him, reminding Hermione of uh, 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 his uh, Moody's catchphrase. So here's the, the, the real question here. Did real Moody ever say constant vigilance? it is like I, I the answer is he must have done because the fake one did and everyone believe that everyone thought that fake was so good it fooled even Dumbledore right but like this is such an insane like like I was already laughing at how weird the mad eye like stuff was in the last chapter but this one takes it to ludicrous heights. This like this this we we get like a page of agonizing over not being able to find the body as if this is a character whose funeral I really need to see. Um we get Hermione quoting his catchphrase that we never saw. We have the details about like oh how like he set up he set up all these curses against snape uh uh god i wish we could do a funeral for him um there's literally one reference to moody in here that feels like appropriate to the characters as they know him which is harry trying not to laugh thinking about moody's dead body with his magical eye still zooming around yeah that's pretty good which, like, that's pretty funny, and, like, that's kind of, like, the level of respect I imagine from Harry thinking about this guy he never knew. Yeah, they're just sitting around being nostalgic for Barty Crouch Jr. and don't know it? 
don't remember that that happened? Don't have any feelings of, like, betrayal or suspicion? It's like, it's like in a soap opera or sitcom or whatever where, like, the writers went too far and, like, like said, like, oh... Uh, this character was actually an imposter all along, and then they had to rewrite everything back to normal the next episode because everyone hated it so much. It's really weird. It, yeah, it's kind of unsettling, honestly, that like this is the thing that they're all really sad about. When I just I, like when he was alive, they never talked about him like this. Even no. when he was supposedly their teacher, when he was fake booty, it was really only. Harry, who thought he was cool, Hermione, there was like that, remember there was like that weird split in book four that we we observed where it was like all the boys thought he was cool and like all the girls thought he was scary? Yeah. It's like, why does Hermione respect him now? Like, I guess, I guess knowing that he's real? like I, I don't switch? know if we're just supposed to assume that they spent a lot of time with real Moody in scenes that we didn't see. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, because they're pretty much accounted for daily at this point. Like, there's there's um, there's also a scene that I really like in book five that I think this change and like this sudden like reverence for Moody kind of changes and makes worse, which is the one where like Moody gets a little drunk at the order party and shows Harry that like photo of all the guys who are dead and it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, that guy's dead. That guy's dead. Here's there's your dad or whatever, right? And it's like, it's charming, and it's not like he's being like bad or evil or anything, but like he is being like a little overly familiar with Harry, and like showing him something that could potentially really upset him, and just sort and of Harry being, is Harry is even reflects to himself like, oh. Was this supposed to make me happy? This was mm-hmm. horrible. And he, like, gets away on purpose from this guy that he doesn't know. Yeah. And, like, that scene only works when we do, we do have that understanding that, like, this Moody is just a different person. And to go from that to, like, them sitting around as a group as 16-year-olds crying that they can't recover the body to give him the proper christian funeral is so funny to me like what i mean i just feel like i'm in the twilight zone when they're like you know what he would say constant vigilance and none of them says actually that was barty crouch jr remember that guy yeah remember when barty crouch jr tried to kill me um, it's also super weird because Barty Crouch Jr. is literally referenced in this chapter because they talk about Moody's body and where it could be, and they bring up how Crouch Jr. trans like killed his dad, <laughs> transfigured his dad's body <laughs> into a yeah. bone, and buried it so that he would never be found. They remember. They remember. Yeah, they remember all the gory details, but not the important part where he was a teacher <laughs> who like groomed them into thinking he was real, like. Fuck. It's crazy. And also to just really like bring this around to the stupid full circle is that it's all in service of this just crazy oh, scene yeah. of Hermione bursting into tears and being like, oh my God, Mad Eye Moody, I miss him so much. And for Harry to jump up and try to comfort her instinctively, but no. Ron intercepts him, gets to her first, and is the one to comfort Hermione. I have so much to say about this. 
Yeah. It is. This is almost as tasty a piece of meat as the eye, the eye color thing. It's close. Yeah. Like, for one, I'll let you start. You, because I think you have the more, you have the more complete thesis on this, I think. I think that if Harry has one consistent character trait across every single book that comes out, that is consistent in every circumstance, Mm -hmm. it is that he is uncomfortable and doesn't know what to do when someone expresses strong emotions. (laughs) I think that's a, I think that's a great trait for him to have because he didn't have like any parental figures ever comforting him. He's always just kind of been on his own. He has always just had to kind of swallow his feelings and deal with it. He never had anyone to really go to and be like, I'm sad about whatever. Um, Until now. I think this is the first time that like Hermione starts to cry and is upset because of something he says. And I I want to read the line too, um, if I can find it. Um, so Harry's talking. He says, yeah, said Harry. Like, Barty Crouch turned into a bone and buried in Hagrid's front garden. They probably transfigured Moody and stuffed him. Don't, squealed Hermione. Startled her. Harry looked over just in time to see her burst into tears over her copy of Spellman's syllabary. Oh, no, said Harry, struggling to get up from the old camp bed. Hermione, I wasn't trying to upset. Uh, but with a great creaking of rusty bed springs, Ron bounded off the bed and got there first. This isn't Harry. Harry yeah. would never do that in a million years. Harry would never leap to someone's like aid like that. And like I don't like like that that sounds really mean, but I I, I just think it's more that like you say Harry himself has never had an outlet for like Harry has never been the one to really uh uh like be in this position. I think like like once in book three when he like yelled about how he was gonna kill Sirius Black and like Harry or Hermione and Ron didn't know how to respond. Um, other than that, he's he bottles his shit up pretty tightly. Um, yeah, I mean he has outbursts, right? Yeah, but I mean we've seen him see other, particularly girls in the story, mm-hmm. have like a strong emotion, and he doesn't know what to do. Um, and in some cases is like actively cruel. Yeah. Like in the case of Cho Chang, which is the the thing that like immediately leapt to mind where she started crying because her boyfriend was murdered. <laughs> yeah. Harry and, and, he, and, he's, and he's cry. like, what's wrong with you? What, like, why, why is there water coming out of your eyes? Right. <laughs> Are you broken? So, yeah. so this just really, I don't, I don't know. It really bothers me that, like, his one consistent trait is just destroyed by this. Because he wouldn't do this. And it's all... I, I, my speculation is to set up Ron's Boromir mm-hmm. thing. I think that's a really... I think that's probably it, yeah. I don't know why else... Or, or just if it doesn't come up ever again, it's to remind us that Ron and Hermione are a couple now. Yeah, and, and, like, the thing I was stuck on here is, like, not only is it very out of character for Harry, but it's, like, who could have possibly either directly or indirectly taught him this? Right. Because, like you say, he's never had, like, he, he has just never had parental figures to to go to when he needs comforting, and he also doesn't know what comforting someone else 
really looks like. And so, like, like a, I, I outline this kind of towards the end of the last book about how, like, the one kind of tragically, like, overlooked by JK theme in this book is, is the, or in this series is the way that, like, Harry is searching for a parental figure mm-hmm. and just never gets one. Um, and the ones that he does get are, like, woefully inadequate and have like you know equally as much baggage if not more so than him and i'm just like like who out of the out of the dads harry has had snape in the book uh mad eye moody really barty crouch lupin uh serious black who was the one who like took him aside and was like when 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 girls start crying, you gotta go over there and give them a hug. And also, if they're they're gonna step in a puddle, you gotta take your jacket off and put it in the put it in the street for it. Like where who taught him chivalry? Who taught him like classic chivalry? Yeah, like like I just don't know where he got. And again, the answer is J.K. Rowling, right? Like <laughs> this is the same as the eye color thing. It's like like this is just. This is what you do. This is fully grown adult writing what characters do, like you know, writing what what characters should do, not what they would do as characters. Yeah, I mean, this just, and I like teen drama too, but it just yeah. it just falls apart where I just I don't even know where these characters are coming from when they're acting this way. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, like it, it is. It's only teen drama if I can like buy into consistent characters and like, cause I want to see different archetypes, you know, wind up and go. Whereas like Harry is a different archetype, like between pages at this point. Uh, I, I just don't know who we have another new Harry. We have another new Harry who has learned like 1800s foppish, uh, chivalry all of a sudden, like where, where did this come from? Yeah, I mean, I he, think that he should be a little bit immature in this in these arenas. Yeah, he's sixteen and has never had a mom or a dad. He, uh, he's never had this modeled to him at any point, mm-mm. and and at every part where he had the opportunity to act like this, he never does. Yeah, and like and like this distracts. This is like so distracting too because it's like. Ron kind of hasn't either from what we've seen. This is a huge moment of emotional growth for Ron. And like, I can buy that as like, well, like Ron's in a relationship now. Maybe he's changed, but it's so funny to like, see both of these characters change on a dime in this one scene. It's really depressing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just like, I, I feel this like weird sense of loss of these characters that I don't even think have been very consistent since like the first book, but now it's just <laughs> they are all acting out what J.K. Rowling thinks, just like how people should act, but not mm-hmm. the characters. And it's just it feels like they all just aren't who they were anymore. Yeah, or and, and like don't represent anything. Like, like, they not even like not archetypes, not themes, not not like any sort of like character exploration of kinds of people. They are just different every time. Every time a new conflict comes up, the characters. Are, I mean, like Hermione, honestly, same way here. Like, 
like i mean i mean besides the fact that it's ridiculous that she's blowing up about mad eye moody right like which we've talked about in detail but like this i love that we get like a just a little flash of psycho hermione again here <laughs> like we get we get joker hermione thing here with with her like oh and I, I like modified my parents' memories and sent them to Australia, which is crazy. The crimes of Hermione Granger at this point. Seriously. God, she I don't is... even want to get started on that. I don't think you can do that in a book where you confirm that the three most evil things you can do, that one of them is taking away someone's free will. <laughs> She might have well just like imperious them to Australia. Yeah, she might have done. We don't know. Like, like, like the, the, the. It is almost genius how incongruous her reaction to like Mad Eye dying and what she just did to her parents, what she's nonchalantly explaining that she did to her family, uh, is 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 bonkers like like i like here's what should be happening ron should be like performatively going over to console her after she starts crying uh about about mad eye and harry should be sitting there going you did fucking what to your parents like hey whoa 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 like what are you doing yeah it's like the connection is never made yeah i mean it never is with her hermione could get away with mass murder at this point mm -hmm. and could just like allude to it in a sentence offhand and no one would notice it's it she has i would love to tally up at the end of this series um just like all of the stuff that she does and, and like how little impact it has on the story versus how crazy the actual actions are it's amazing how poorly these books treat Hermione's character and how she just kind of isn't one. And I, it's very funny to me because I know this is like a classic like fandom tearjerker scene too of Hermione. Because mm. we, I think you get either a flashback scene in the movie or maybe there's a montage or something. Oh no, the movie changes it to... Uh... Like, she does it in real time, like, before the big battle or something. Like, there's that hilarious shot of her parents, like, sitting watching TV, and then the camera, like, pans up, and she's there with her wand out like a gun. It's so, it's so fun. Like, that is probably the funniest, like, scene that people go back to, just because it really, it, and the, like, music swells, and the, mm -hmm. like, screen language is more that she's, like, sad that she's killing her parents. Yeah! It just looks like she's about to... It's like a real tell-me-about-the-rabbits-George-looking scene, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's so funny. And she might as well be killing them because they're not characters. Like, they, they don't show up. This consequence that she's afraid of never happens. It, it is so weird. It feels like J.K. Rowling is trying to write herself out of a plot hole for a question that I don't know would be asked in like any real way like if they had gone on this quest i wouldn't have said like hey why did voldemort not go and kill hermione's parents 
I don't think that it really, I mean, I guess, but I, I just, like, I think that you could write out of that one by just saying, like, oh, the Order put them under protection, especially because yeah. they had just put the Dursleys under protection. Yeah, we've, we, it, is, it is established, it has been established multiple times that the Order can do that. We also got that from Dumbledore in the last book, right? Like, like we have the best protection protective services, Draco. Come join us. Um... There's one other, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but I want to finish, I want to wrap up Hermione before we get to the ghoul. Okay. Yeah. Accio Horcrux books. Accio Horcrux books. It's that easy. <laughs> I don't know. Similar to this, the, um, the, uh, 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 Secret Keeper shit, spells just don't mean anything anymore. Nope. They... They, they 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 do whatever the scene needs them to do this thing that that Hermione does where she just says I just did a summoning charm you know Accio and then they zoomed out of Dumbledore's study window right into the girl's dormitory you're telling me she could have done this at any point during the series like you you Accio is just control F you can door dash the specific books you want to your <laughs> to your dorm <laughs> You could just do that the whole time? Why? Just have her special order some books. Just have her put in an owl order to Borgen Burks or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Also, just, none uh, of the lore that we get about Horcruxes matters, so how about just leave that shit out? <laughs> yeah, there's like an entire section in this chapter where they talk about like what can and can't destroy a Horcrux and how they have destroyed a Horcrux before, because the basilisk fang had the venom in it and then oh i guess we don't have any basilisk fans but don't worry there's other ways to destroy the horcrux but we will get it's just i don't care you don't need to do this right now you can cross this bridge when you come to it don't don't front load all this shit in this in this wedding preparation chapter yeah and don't put it like if it's important don't put it in hermione just getting some books and expositing <laughs> about it god it's so yeah. bad and I love, I'm excited because she, it, this whole scene also is like predicated on her choosing what book she's going to be putting in her endless book bag. And so I think she's just going, this is going to be her function for most of this novel is like taking a magic book out of her magic bag and saying, this is what we need to do because I brought the right book. It really feels like JK Rowling is writing in the style of what the fandom thinks these characters are. There's a part in here where she's like trying to decide what to put in her book bag. And she goes, Hogwarts history, I have to bring oh, that. Oh, God. Yeah. That isn't something the character would say. That isn't like, she doesn't know that Hogwarts a history is her signature book. That's like. That's just a meme someone would make. Right. We, and like, that would be fine. That would be funny. Like, if you just want to like have Hermione, you know. Hermione slaps roof of book bag. This bad boy can fit so many copies of Hogwarts. His like that's funny, sure, but like you can't put that in the book. She's not nostalgic about herself talking about Hogwarts history from the first book. <laughs> we are though, as the audience, and so I guess it just has to go in there. <laughs> I really don't like that, and and you know. That's a great thing to point to as an example of what I want to say, which is that 
this book reads like fan fiction. I am not yes. surprised that people thought this was fake um, because there yes. is stuff like that that I think is sometimes like it's cute in fan fiction. It's a little silly, but like, of course, when you're writing someone else's characters, it's hard not to bring up the things that you're nostalgic about, about mm-hmm. those characters. The things that you think of as signature traits of those characters ends up kind of reflected in the fandom, but it is weird to have them come up in the in actual the, book. Yeah, in the novel itself. I think in that, um, do you remember that like blog that I found that of like people posting about the leak in real time mm-hmm. and like saying like, oh, this is obviously fake. I think one of the comments was like, she would, Hermione would never take Hogwarts a history like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird. It's, it's like you say, I don't blame people who thought this was fake. I wish it was fake. I wish it was fake. I wish the I wish this ghoul subplot was fake. The the fucking <laughs> the for one it's a, a, it's again just like a completely ludicrous amount of detail for a plot that just ultimately I don't think is that important. Um, si- similar to the like Hermione like uh, uh, blasting her parents' brains away thing. Like I get that it's supposed to show that like oh they're resolved that they're, these characters have so much resolve that they're going with Harry, but like that was. I thought that was done and dusted in in the funeral in book six. Like they put their feet down and said, no, we are coming with you. And and that felt like enough at that point. But the part that I'm very confused about is that while Ron is detailing this plan about how they're going to convince the Death Eaters, who, by the way, if that Death Eaters showed up at the burrow to check for Ron, I'm pretty sure they would just shoot everybody with gun spell yeah uh, so so it's a weird a weird like conceit in the first place but i was very confused by ron talking about this plan using the pronouns we we're going to put out the story that i'm seriously ill which is why I can't go to school. If anyone comes down, comes calling to investigate, mom or dad can show them the ghoul in my bed. Which, hang on a second. I thought that Molly wanted no part of this and was desperate to keep... Like, who's we? Who's been tinkering with this ghoul to make this happen other than Ron? I think that he says that, like, Arthur helps him with the spells? Is it... Is... Yeah. No, it was his... Fred and George. No, yeah. So Arthur Weasley, Fred, and George helped to transfigure the ghoul. So it's everyone against Molly at this point. <laughs> which which is the more interesting story, really. But it just doesn't come up, I guess. <sighs> I don't understand this plan. So Ron's plan. Ron. Arthur, Fred, and George put their heads together, real brain trust here, and said, okay, what's our cover story for Ron not showing up at school, I guess? (laughs) And they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dress up the ghoul in pajamas. We're going to give it red hair and then put it in Ron's bed. And that'll be him with spatter great 
and I guess you can't go near because it's, really it's contagious. contagious. Yeah, um, and he smells bad. And smells bad. I just I want to know what very narrow circumstance this helps. Like, okay, so Ron doesn't show up for school, which we also know is okay because Fred and George dropped out after they turned 16. They did not go to their seventh year at Hogwarts. So Hogwarts, which is now under the control of the Death Eaters, are they going to, like, send Electo Caro to go do, like, a wellness check at the (laughs) Weasley house? Be like, your son didn't show up to school. We want to see that he's okay. And then they're going to, like, take them up to the room and they're going to look and be like, everything looks fine here and just leave it at that. Why don't why don't they just why don't they just get a secret keeper to hide the location of the burrow so that can happen? I thought they already did, too. (laughs) Right. It's crazy. It's written in there. Yeah. I don't understand what this plan does. Like, I can't come up with a circumstance that this does anything. Like I'm, yeah. I'm racking my brains to come up with what, what <laughs> scenario has to happen that is solved by the ghoul. And the thing is, I, I realize that everything we're saying here could just be explained away with, uh, well, of course it's a stupid plan and it backfires, but I don't think that that's the case. I think this is genuinely all written out here in detail just for the sake of Harry going, oh, well, okay, I guess you are committed to this. Oh, you transfigured a ghoul? Yeah, like, it's it's just, like, pretty nonsensical overall. It's, this is the, it's getting bogged down in details you just don't need to explain. Yeah, and and really, like the the stakes of the situation are so confusing to go to go like we are explained Hermione's thing first, and then immediately to Ron's just like really stupid plan that works in like fucking Goldilocks and the Three Bears. <laughs> yeah, in a like in a like spy novel, or I guess at this point it's like a Lord of the Rings novel, but yeah, it's like. This this plan would be perfect in, like, book one tone, right? Like, this would be pretty funny. But, like, now that, now that like, the, the Death Theaters are, like, the SS knocking on your door to see if you're a collaborator or whatever, it's, like, it suddenly becomes a lot less, like, you don't really have many room for, much room for jokes anymore, like, like the, these plans have got to be real plans. They can't just be goofs. Yeah, because the stakes is we're supposed to believe in them is that if the Death Eaters are knocking on your door, they're probably blowing your house up. <laughs> yeah. We have this whole, like, 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 like premise of, like, oh, the world is in, living in fear because the Death Eaters are, like, kidnapping and disappearing people or blowing things. Like... I think if a Death Eater shows up, you're basically like, it's do or die, right? Like, you've either got to kill them before they kill you at, th- at, that, at that stage. I mean, we literally had an argument about Lup- with Lupin about lethal force last chapter. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. I am fatigued. Yeah. I am, I am fatigued, fati- and I feel like I have so much more still. Uh, yes, and yet... And yet we've got to talk. We've got, I've got so much. We've got to talk about Hermione getting weirdly Catholic. 
in this scene. When does she do that? Because a horcrux is the op- complete opposite <laughs> of a human being. Seeing that Harry and Ron looked thoroughly confused, Hermione hurried on. Look, if I picked up a sword right now, Ron, and ran you through with it, I wouldn't damage your soul at all. Which would be a real comfort to me, I'm sure, said Ron. Harry laughed. It should be, actually, <laughs> said Hermione. Hmm. Hermione taking an aside here to talk about the importance of the of the soul. Of the here. unbroken, immortal human soul. Thank you, Hermione. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense if I don't already have context for that. Um, I think that, like, in addition to that, somehow during this, like, Horcrux lore dump, which I'm pretty sure is just, like, wholly irrelevant, I don't think it matters at all. But there's this part where he just like completely destroys the premise of book six, where they talk about like Voldemort already knew how to make Horcruxes. Um, and then someone says like, okay, then why did we need to figure out what Slughorn told him if he already, like, why would he ask Slughorn if he already knew how to do it? And then it's like, yeah, but he didn't ask Slughorn how to make a Horcrux. He just asked him if he could do it multiple times. <laughs> that's the big mystery in book six like what did he ask slughorn and the answer is hey hey this thing that i can already do can i do it two times three times how many times can i do that can I do it like seven times maybe can i do it like seven times seven is an important number to yeah, me yeah and slughorn is like no and he's like oh well <laughs> i'm gonna me- do it anyway <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, okay, should we skip ahead to the last scene here with uh, the, the Delacours arriving? Yeah. The Delacours are here. A lot going on here. Um, first, I just have to give J.K. Rowling the big old slow cl- clap for the really weird uh, fat phobia with, uh, with uh, uh, Monsieur Delacour. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Nowhere near as attractive as his as his wife. He was a head shorter and extremely plump, with a little pointed black beard. However, he looked good natured. I like this however. idea that like how yeah, however is really a key word there. Oh, this guy's fat, but he however, but he looks good natured. On the other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, he does look good natured. What the fuck? She can't stop herself. But worst of all. Speaking of being unable to stop herself, and speaking of no, like, please, please, why did an editor not step in here? I will give you this one. This is our, this is, we, ha- we had our meat, we had our, 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 our tasty, I guess, let's see, our, we had our, our tasty side with, uh, with the other one. And now here's the dessert in this completely bonkers series of events in this chapter. Uh, uh, let's talk about Gabrielle. Enchanté, she said. That's Madame Delacour. Your mm. husband has been telling us such amusing stories. Mr. Weasley gave a maniacal laugh. Mrs. Weasley threw him a look, upon which he became immediately silent and assumed an expression appropriate to the sickbed of a close friend. So far, so good. And of course, you have met my little daughter, said Monsieur Delacour. Gabrielle was fleur in miniature. Eleven years old. 
With, bam, 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 bam. with waist-length hair of pure silvery blonde, she gave Mrs. Weasley a dazzling smile and hugged her and then threw Harry a glowing look, batting her eyelashes. Ginny cleared her throat loudly. I, so, okay, so this is crazy. Ah. This is horrible crazy. And I, when I was talking, I was at work and I was talking to you about this like a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was <laughs> like, I sh- certainly read it wrong. I certainly must have... <laughs> She must have been 11 when we met her in book four, which would make mm-hmm. her four, five, seven, four, five, six, seven, like 13 or 14 here, which is still weird. Like, because Ginny is 16, 17, she's 16, I think, or is about to become 16. And I'm, she's 15. She's 15. And to have her be like, I'm jealous or like, I need to intervene here when a 13 year old mm-hmm. like quote unquote like flirts with my boy my ex-boyfriend is like gross but no i didn't read it wrong gabrielle is 11 she is a baby she is a little baby jk rowling what are you doing I, this is so crazy this i i don't know what this single-handedly makes me hate Ginny. Like, if you, it, like, I'm sorry, but if you are 16 and you're getting, like, jealous of, like, a little baby, when, like, you think that she's, like, flirting with Harry? I don't know what to do. Uh. I just, it's also written like she is flirting with Harry, kind of. Like, the, why, why set up this, like, like, jealous girlfriend joke with an 11 year old at all it's so nasty i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you the only the only creature i was batting my eyelashes at at 11 years old was pikachu (laughs) i liked pokemon when i was 11 oh my god what the fuck this raises so many horrible questions that I just do not want Harry Potter to get into. Like, ugh, it's just it's gross. so slimy. Like, I know this is just like cl- like classic like bullshit. Like little kid, like <clears throat> a little kid, like likes like an older kid, and and all the parents are like, oh, she has a crush on him, but it's just, oh, it's just icky. Get rid of that. I hate it. Well, it's it's especially like I think what like it's it's already grody, but I think what gives it that extra level of like slime that makes me want to take a shower is this like like this comes right after the joke about Mister Weasley getting vilaed by by the wife uh, here. Oh yeah, because they're of a species that just makes men really horny. Yeah, and so like Ugh. the idea, that, like like telling this joke right after that joke, like just m- makes me hyper aware and uncomfortable of this idea. That's like, does does that mean that the like Vila children have that power too? Because that is so unbelievably fucked up. Don't go to, like, there. Like don't like oh. Yeah, big red X, Joe. You can't make this joke. You can't make this goof here. Big no no. That's just that's not good. Don't don't do this to me. Between this line and like 
the Molly having the same eyes as Ginny. I'm just like, Ugh. yeah. Where are the editors? Well, editors, did you yeah. miss this chapter? Did you yeah, not it's read like, this, this one job. where the pages stuck together? To step in. <laughs> it's your job to step in and say, like, okay, we can't have, we cannot have 11-year-old Vila jokes. We also cannot have Harry thinking, like, damn, my mom's girlfriend, my, my girlfriend's mom, her eyes are, like, kind of like, like oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Holy shit. Mm. <sighs> Like, you just can't do this. It's just no oh. good. This, like you said, this is all first draft shit, and it's an editor's job to go like, hey, um, no, <laughs> on some of these ideas. Uh, unbelievable. Just, just, what a chapter. I, um, I'll say this, I wasn't bored. Like, no, this was, was a, a roller coaster. This this was at least the kind of bad that I like in Harry Potter, where it is just endless twists and turns through completely insane ideas. Yeah. I also, like, missed a plot point, which is where Arthur takes Harry into, like, a shed and is like, I got the motorcycle back. Oh. I, <laughs> I don't know. Him, if, honestly. I, I don't know if that's going to come back. Yeah, that feels maybe like a, che- a Chekhov's bike, but honestly good for him i hope that he has fun with a motorcycle yeah i feel like i had to i had to mention it just in case it was a Chekhov's bike but i have no idea if it will be (laughs) oh god we gone real long on this one is there any any anything else in this chapter that you want to take a crack at or should we i mean i'm on the last page here and i would i would be remiss not to just mention harry's like weird ennui here where he's like oh he's just like I can't believe the inconvenience that I'm doing to Mrs. Weasley. And I'm just like, who are I'm you? So, I am so ashamed who, of the trouble that I have caused. Who are Wolf you? Hall. Like, just go. Just fucking go. I don't know these people. I don't know Bill and Fleur. Just leave, Harry. Just walk <laughs> out of there. So, I'm so sick of this. Fuck. That's all. That's all I've got. It'd be one thing if he was sticking around because, like, Ron is like, no, I want to see my brother's wedding. But, but every like every other character, it's like why? Who cares? I mean, I guess Harry like saw Bill's like cool earrings, so maybe he's like, "What cool fashion is Bill gonna be wearing oh, on his wedding day? What is he gonna be wearing? I bet he's gonna look sick with that cool scar. He's so handsome." I hate that all the wedding preparation stuff. Uh, we talked about this at the funeral too, but I'm like, all of the charm of the Wizarding World has been just sucked out of these books yeah good job making wizard weddings just as fucking boring as real ones like this is a normal wedding and there's nothing weird it's not like oh and then we're gonna do this weird thing and harry's like whoa what's that it's like that's what we do at wizard weddings there's nothing in here it's just like normal wedding J.K. Rowling just wrote a wedding she wanted to have. Right, which is just, again, like, that's her in there. Like, she's, it's just like, that's all for her. That's like, oh, weddings are so wonderful and magical. I'm going to write this wedding. And Harry's also going to care about this wedding. And it's, I don't know, maybe there's going to be some weird wedding shit in the actual wedding chapter. But so far, it's just like, this is just a normal wedding. There's They've even got people coming to make a tent. Yeah. Like... Why, why, why do they need to hire a, a marquee company to come bring them a tent when Arthur took a fucking like house tent to the Wizarding World Cup? That had like a whole house inside of it. Yeah, 
like that was kind of cute. That's like funny. And it's like, oh, cool. It must be cool to be a wizard. You can take like a normal camping tent and inside is like a whole house. That's really cool. I don't think, I think J.K. Rowling like forgot what she was writing. She just kind of wrote like, oh, it would be cool if someone was having a wedding and it was outside and they had a big tent and they've, there's got these rosemary bushes and the, the lawn is really manicured and oh, I want some Vulavens. Oh, I fancy some canapes. Just like, <laughs> just like writing like a thing she wants to go to. Yeah. Um. All right. In that case, I think. We should take a quick break and then come back with a little, a little, a little goof, a little goofing for our last segment. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um... This book has got us in our thoughts in our heads about how, damn, this thing sure felt fake. <laughs> this this book sure feels fake. I do not blame the people who thought it was fake. Um, I could certainly see why they might. And uh, I did some poking around because there is a lot of stuff left on the internet from 2007 like as this leak was happening and as the release of the book was imminent, um, uh, I found a fantastic live journal post while searching a thread about the leak on maybe a little website. You remember ZeldaUniverse.net? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. There was a ZeldaUniverse.net thread that led me to this post. I'll, I'll preface this post a little bit with some of the posts from ZeldaUniverse.net, which is a form I used to love dearly. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, this would be very fanfic, much like the entire epilogue. Look at the page number at the bottom of the first page. Can't read it, but it looks like either 253 or 753. But guess what? The British publication is 608 pages, and the American publication is 784. Unless you decided to use 500-something point font... Uh, or or 20-something extra pages at the end of the book to make it look thicker, then it's a hoax, and there aren't those pages, because look look at the one there. It's the last one in the book, not about the author or notes about the illustrator of which to speak. Not to mention, just read the language. Crisp and golden as an apple? I mean, come on. Come <laughs> on. That's what we call fifth-grade imagery. And that last sentence, what the heck is that? It's incredibly camp. I'm... <laughs> And then, so this was the point where I had to Google Crispin and Golden as an apple, because I was like, oh, is this the fake leak? Because there was the fake leak that circulated. Um, but no, Crispin and Golden as an apple is in the real epilogue. Um, real? It's in the epilogue? I believe so, yeah. Wow. Or, or somewhere. It, it, is, it, is a, it is a real, it is a real line in the book. Uh, this post continues, I'm not going to keep a completely closed mind and say that this cannot possibly be the epilogue, but I'm seriously hoping it isn't because it is all reused names dro name dropping, all's wells, idealism, and total steaming smut. <laughs> so that is a, a, a lovely post from someone on ZeldaUniverse.net, but someone else in the thread linked to this live journal post, um, which, of course, we all know 
belief that they are talking about is real. But I just would like to read a little bit about, you know, the mindset people were in when they read this book for the first time, uh, photographed on someone's carpet and hosted on Photo Bucket. Absolutely. Before you do that, I will say the epilogue starts with the sentences. Autumn seemed to arrive suddenly that year. The morning of the first September was crisp and golden as an apple. (laughs) I love that that's the line that they focused on. Okay. This is called Harry Potter and the Dubious Hullabaloo. (laughs) It is the final countdown week before the release of the seventh Harry Potter volume. And a sudden uproar has appeared upon the horizon. The circus has come to town. According to the tale, libraries have allegedly been given a special dispensation to uncrate the books in advance for early cataloging. Someone has reputedly stolen a library copy and, with the help of a digital camera, is uploading it to the internet as fast as they can save the files a whole week early. Well, okay. I have drifted along happily enough for the past couple of years, letting this page sit online as a dead journal, giving myself a base and an online identity from which to post responses in other people's journals. I love posts so much. Posting rules. But this pretty much dictates that I finally must post something here of my own. I can't very well do it over on Red Hen, since first, the collection over there isn't really that flexible or designed for any kind of direct feedback, and second, the Red Hen collection has now gone under its blanket moratorium until Halloween. I've given it my best shot, and my guesses and theories are either right or partially right, and I have to take have to be taking another scenic cruise down the Martian canals. I don't know what that's referring to. If that is the case, you are all welcome to point and laugh. I'm very sorry, live journal user from 2007. Mm. Pride goeth before the fall, as they say. That's right. Uh, and by this weekend, you may have the opportunity to point and laugh at this post as well. Mm. Because I am going out on a limb here, and we may all soon find out if the fat lady bounces. But I want to get this out in public before the weekend in the event that I am right. I say the leaked novel is a hoax. Here we are in here we are in 2020. Not love, pointing and laughing, but reflecting. Reflecting and maybe, you know, perhaps poking a little bit at this, but honestly sharing their pain. Mm-hmm. My conclusion is not exactly a shot in the dark, nor is it a simple side trip down that river in Egypt. Booking to Mars had been rather hard to come by this season. There appears to be a whole Playfair-compliant trial of evidence leading up to it. If I am correct, J.K. Rowling, in company with Arthur Levine of Scholastic, have have led fans on a merry dance, with a big reveal of the joke scheduled for either the weekend of the seventh book's release or very soon afterwards. I do not know how many other people are in on this game, but I would hazard a guess that there are several. Okay, 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 hold on. Mm Mm-hmm. I've heard this before. This idea that the hoax was like a trick by J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Has this ever happened? An Has this ever happened in the fake. history of ever? <laughs> this is one that comes up in music leaks a lot. I know, um, like, like there was a big thing with like daft punk albums being like oh this can't be the real daft punk album this is so different and then it turned out 
that is exactly what human after all sounded like. And uh, like that is, I'm not saying that albums aren't a shitload of work. Like they obviously are, but I feel like faking a 700 page novel is maybe the craziest undertaking you could do for some sort of marketing false flag. Also, what, what would be the point? What do they get out of that? (laughs) It's so good. I guess I guess we'll find out. I guess this this live journal post might posit what exactly the game the grand game here mm-hmm. might be. Uh, I do not know how many other people are in on the game. I would hazard a guess that there are several, quite possibly including Melissa Anelli and Emerson Sparts of the Leaky Cauldron and MuggleNet, respectively, who've been instrumental in dispensing the clues to the fandom. Although their participation may have been unwitting, I admit that my inner conspiracy theorist often needs to find often needs a firm reining in, and this does appear mm-hmm. to be turning into one of those occasions that might call for that. But if this was an inside job, that would explain how they got all the details right. Because the details all seem absolutely and unmistakably right. I have not the scene I have not seen the pirated book in Toto, but I have seen some of the shots, specifically the opening page, the table of contents, and the purported epilogue. Wait, they and didn't even is, read it before writing this post? It. Did not read it. If this is a hoax from anyone other than Scholastic themselves, there is no guarantee that the real book will have the same physical features. The real book may not have red end papers, a golden yellow spine binding, and sort of a greenish-gray binding cloth. That color may be a distortion from the light source in the photographs. The actual color seems neutral enough for it to be possible that there is some degree of color shift. If it is an in-house hoax from Scholastic, it almost certainly will. What clinches it for me as being from Scholastic is the artwork. I have only seen four of the pirate copy, excuse me, I have only seen four of the pirate copies chapter head Elos. The one at the opening of chapter one and the one at the opening of the epilogue, plus two others that were posted separately, the one for chapter seven and the one for chapter 23. If those Elos are not Grand Mary Grand Prix's own art, I will eat my hat. Those of you who will attended Lumos will no doubt remember the hat. And I will very much doubt that the rest of the chapter head illustrations in the photographed book are suddenly in some other artist's style. This is so sad. So Scholastic had someone, maybe J.K. Rowling or maybe someone else, write a fake book. Well, write a real book, but a fake book. A fake real book. And they had the illustrator illustrate (laughs) fake (laughs) illustrate illustrations for the fake book had MuggleNet and leaky cauldron in on it but maybe not maybe just as stooges as stooges or else leaked fake information to them to leak to the public to relay to the public why? Why would they do that? <laughs> to what end? For what purpose? Now, who is most likely to have 37 fresh, new, highly recognizable pieces of Mary Grand Prix's chapter art just lying around unused? So if all the details are right, why do I question the authenticity of the pirate copy? Good because, question. Yeah, good, good question. Also, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it must be a fish. Um, because as usual with anything associated with rolling, the numbers don't add up. They literally do not add up. 
months ago, Scholastic announced to the whole world that the U.S. edition of J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows was going to weigh in at 784 pages. In the Scholastic editions, that is 784 pages of story, not 784 pages of book. What? Scholastic. Yeah, I I think they are completely what? just making that Based up. Based on what? I, yeah, I'm, I, yeah. Like, I guess I, numbered pages and then, uh, okay. The Scholastic editions have always begun the numbered pages of the story of the opening of the first chapter with page one and go straight through the end. I do not expect them to suddenly change that pattern now. No one paid a lot of attention to the page count of the first three books, but Goblet of Fire was 734 numbered pages of story. Order of the Phoenix is 870, Half-Blood Prince is 652. Over at on MuggleMet, even as I type, there is a link to an interview with Jim Dale, which reiterates that the ink and paper edition of Deathly Hallows weighs in at 784 pages. Does the pirate copy weigh in at 784 pages? It does not. It tops out at 759 pages. 759 pages is not 784 pages. Not even if you are J.K. Rowling. Why did this happen? I've heard this a lot. Like a lot of people that were like, oh, it was fake. Point to this page count thing. Mm-hmm. Do, do we ever figure out why? Uh, like, did I, it number differently? Or was there like missing stuff from the leak? No, I think that the answer truly is that when Scholastic said there are 700 pages in the book, they mean, like, in total, including contents and uh, blank pages and so on. And people just assumed that because the, the previous books had numbered the pages from one, like, with one starting on the first page of the story, that they must mean... I, I, I think it literally is what this person is outlining here, that, that uh, they just that they they told them all of the pages not the story pages i'm so tired <laughs> <laughs> all right all right i would also like briefly to ask why photograph the book rather than scan it wouldn't it have been easier to read if you slapped it on a flatbed and scanned the pages maybe they didn't but have I a fucking a scanner <laughs> those things aren't cheap and they weren't in 2007 yeah either. 2007 Getting a scanner was a big deal for me. Uh, yeah, me too. And then, it, like, the drivers never worked. Scanners, even to this day, the scanner technology, suck. like, I was I, I was curious about getting a scanner, and I looked it up, because I was like, surely it is not the same sad state of affairs that getting <laughs> a scanner in 2007 was. And let me tell you, it is. Yeah, scanners are cursed. Nobody cursed has objects. disrupted the scanners market. Yeah. <laughs> God, I had um, uh, like a, 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 like a pretty cheap scanner that like, you know, it did its job, but like the drivers and the software to run it, it just felt like a virus. Yeah, it was it's still. Uh, it is still the same. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't it have been easier to read if you slapped it on a flatbed and scanned the pages? But I suppose that the size of the standard Scholastic hardcover, you would have to scan each page individually rather than shoot the whole spread, which may well have been a consideration. But I do really suspect that photographing the book was done for verisimilitude. We saw the book. We saw the red end papers and the gold spine binding. We saw an actual book. Yeah, that's now, pretty convincing, huh? That's pretty convincing, isn't it? 
Now, it has been suggested that Scholastic is maybe fibbed about the page count, but lying to the entire public about your product is just not good business. That is something that you do not do. You do not do? Yes, you do release an entire fake novel illustrated (laughs) with fake illustrations leaked to the public through a local library, but you do not... You do not lie about page count to your audience. Excuse me, sir. I do believe that you said this book contains 784 pages of story. (laughs) 769. What's the devil? Besides, the argument is putting the cart before the horse. Despite the obvious appearance of the pirate copy being a Scholastic product, Scholastic has not acknowledged it, nor have they made an announcement of their book having managed to get away from them a week before its scheduled release. So far as I can ascertain... Where Scholastic is concerned, the pirate copy is not their product. It does not exist. So why should they have done this? Well, I think it comes down to... Are you ready? Are you ready for their prediction? Now I am. I think it all comes down to for fun and profit. Amazon may not be making any money off this book, but Scholastic is. What? I think they could afford it. Print a limited edition with everyone in on the joke to get a copy and probably a box of them to rolling. And if you ever get a chance at one, you might want to consider it. Highly collectible, after all. But the emphasis is probably on the fun end of the scale, and that's where rolling comes in. It all may just be my inner conspiracy theorist getting out of control, but I think that a decoy story turned loose by a publishing house which stands to make a bomb and a very wealthy and famous author with a demonstrated appreciation for the idea of practical jokes is easier to believe than the publishing house should lie about their book. By the time they make their page count announcement, they knew how long the seventh volume was going to be. There are that many (laughs) pages. I do think they might between them have decided to underwrite a limited edition of the Harry Potter and the Deathly Ballyhoo as a publicity stunt. It is, after all, the last hurrah for the series as a series. Why not wind it all up with a bang? And they certainly didn't do it on the spur of the moment. I'm looking back at a phantom trail that stretches back for nearly a year. Here's the trail of evidence. They do seem to have played fair with us. All of the clues are out there in the public, all easily accessible, and Rowling, or somebody, seems to have made sure that the links to them would reach her fans, either from her own official website or from the big news sites to which she has given fansite awards on the official site. I am inclined to think that the inception for the stunt took place around the time of Rowling's appearance with Stephen King and John Grisham <coughs> in the Harry, Carrie, and Garp presentation at the beginning of August 2006, and I think it started with Rowling. That particular trip was the first time the author had been on that side of the pond in a number of years. It would have hardly been astonishing for her to have looked in on her American publishers or discuss a project with them. But the thing that snags in my recollection was the beginning of that slow tease that Rowling launched regarding the forthcoming title. She claims that she had an idea for a new title while in the shower. For some months (laughs) afterward, there was a whole little fan dance about the two titles. Then suddenly she had a third title, one that was about two vowels and a consonant, different from the one of the first two. This kept everyone speculating just until the final release at Winter Solstice of the official title, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Fairly recently on the official website, she's reopened the issue of what those alternative titles were, and somewhat curiously, she refused to answer the question. I find it difficult to think of any alternative title that is two vowels and a consonant off from Deathly Hallows that might 
actually give anything significant away, so what would the harm be in satisfying the request? Maybe after the book is out, Rowling tells us. Yes, I rather suspect so. In fact, I take leave to wonder whether it was the only a new title that occurred to Rowling in that shower. I love this post so much. How are you feeling? How are you how are you holding up over there? I'm having a big thought. Yeah. I think it's either a really big thought or my brain is breaking. <laughs> and it's that, say this were true. Yeah. And Scholastic and J.K. Rowling and all of them and John Grisham is there <laughs> for some reason. Uh, Stephen King is there and they're hanging out and they're, they've catched a plot to release a fake Harry Potter novel <laughs> in advance of the real Harry Potter novel. If Scholastic publishes two Harry Potter novels, there isn't a fake one. There's just two Harry Potter novels. <laughs> and, and, like at the point where it's like, here's Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, which is as the book exists, because that was the real one and there wasn't a fake one. But if it was a fake one and they released another one, you don't say, ha ha, that one was fake because it just is a real book. Yeah, it's like Pokemon Blue is not a fake version of Pokemon Red. Right. Like, it, it, you just wrote a second book. This, it's a different version of the same book. And if, like, it leaked, and then, like, it was like, J.K. Rowling was like, ha that one is fake, here's the real one, Harry Potter and the... Pillars of Storage. Pillars of Storage, and it's just like, okay... <laughs> Those are just two Harry Potter novels. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. We'd be sitting here going, I can't believe we have to read two Harry Potter novels for our, for our seventh season. Yeah. That's okay. my big I'm gonna thought. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here because this is a very long... If, 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 in case you can't tell, this person had a penchant for the theatric. Why didn't they spend this time reading the leak? Yeah. <laughs> If they were so convinced it was fake, too. Uh, especially because their entire theory hinges on the page count. It, That's the part that it really Also, me up. their thesis is that it's a game. So why would they not want to be in on the game? Which, if it's being leaked as a fake on purpose, they would have wanted you to read it. Here's the part that I am stuck on. Okay. Is... If they think that this is true and that they that that this leak is a fake version of Harry Potter mm -hmm. because the page counts don't match up. Sure. In this scenario that they have concocted, why would the fake version not also be that number of pages? Yeah, that's I mean, I assume that they think it's like a clue. Like that's the clue. Like that's the invitation to the grand game that if you're if you're if you're clued in enough to know yeah. 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 Okay. And now the hook is gradually ready to reel us all in. This stage of the proceedings was launched some months ago when Rowling posted a request to please not spoil the fun for others on her website. That was fair enough, even though she couldn't have held much hope of that request actually being granted. The owners of Leaky and MuggleNet quickly chimed in and issued statements that they would not be posing spoilers on their sites if they could possibly help it. Why would J.K. Rowling tell you not to read the leaked version that is just a game for everyone to read? <laughs> don't, yeah, don't read the leak that I wrote as a don't, separate leak don't, for fun. Don't, don't play this game I made for all of you, wink. 
<laughs> then Rowling appeared on a certain Mr. Ross's talk show, which almost immediately hit the web as a YouTube file in which all of the spoilers... <laughs> I, the I love to log in and watch all of the YouTube files. The YouTube files that are hitting the web are some of my favorite files on the internet, I must say. <laughs> In which the issue of spoilers was deliberately raised, and in which Miss Rowling pointed out that all of the novels so far had been spoiled before their official release, i.e. a strong suggestion that this one probably will be too. And then, right about at the same time, a number of links went up, referencing a projected documentary on Rowling and her work, which is scheduled for later this year, and possibly uh, LeakyNet. Uh, excuse me, and MuggleNet, possibly leaky as well, posted one which, despite the announcement that MuggleNet would not be posting spoilers, included a possible spoiler warning mm -hmm. to an article from The Guardian alluding to video clips from the project in which Rowling had unquestionably taken part. Now, I did not see these clips, but news gets around. I was told, and have heard from too many sources to particularly doubt it, that in the course of this teaser for the documentary, there was a brief shot of the opening paragraph and the first exchange of dialogue from the first chapter of the book. Well, okay, that is the kind of thing that may well be released with the authors and publishers sanction as an official teaser for the book. You aren't going to get a lot of spoilage from the opening paragraph of a book that goes on for another 783 pages. Only, it is the exactly the same opening and paragraph and dialogue exchange as in the pirate copy. Bingo. That was the hook. What? Now we sit back and wait for the big reveal of the sting. What? <laughs> this is so sad. I feel so bad for them. This 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 grand stratagem that they have concocted that like ah Everything in the leak will look exactly like the real thing we've been shown. Only the page numbers are different, and so the game is afoot. What? I don't have as much sympathy only because they didn't read the leak. So this isn't even like I read it and it sucked, and now I think it's a game because I'm in denial. I yeah. Yeah. Just read it. it. I can't I can't do this. I can't argue with this person writing this in 2007. Yeah. So that is I will I will leave it there. There is more to this post, but like it just kind of goes on with a bunch of edits uh, 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 more more wishful uh more wishful thinking. There is one incredible comment. Mm. I really really wish you had been right about this. Sigh. And then the the OP replied well, yeah, bummer. Oh. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for them. I also wish it was fake. I Maybe sure... it still is. Maybe the game is still going. The game is still going. This is the this is the thing. The the game. This is this, this is what J.K. Rowling is going to come back with to Twitter <laughs> when she's done retweeting Ichabox. She's going to be like, um. Did everyone know that I actually wrote a second Deathly Hallows version? Actually, the first one is fake. And so also the movies that were released are also fake. <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we had we all the actors coming. We have a new Deathly Hallows. But they're fake. <laughs> oh, this reminds me a lot of the... Um, the Sherlock season finale being fake theory. Mm -hmm. the, the, yeah, we had all the actors come and record a fake season, <laughs> which again, 
if that if <laughs> there's no way that can be true because it just is a season of the show. <laughs> you can't just say that was fake. <laughs> what do you mean it's fake? <laughs> oh god, I love it. Um but yeah, what a what a bummer for them. Like I said, not not here to point and laugh, but to to share their pain, I think. Cause I too have been reading this this book so far and been going, damn, wish this had been fake. It sure damn, fucking feels fake? like it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I feel like I got like the wrong copy. I'm like, my I got a haunted copy. Alas, this is the version we have. And we should probably take it to the close. What do you say? Sounds good. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use that as our theme song. You can check them out on Bandcamp, but you can check us out at patreon.com streetcast. We have so much bonus content there for you. We're talking about visual novels. We're talking about movies starring Taylor Lautner. We're going to be reading Twilight soon. We've got a lot of fun stuff for you over there, all for the low, low price of $3 a month. And Liz, what are we reading next week? We're reading Chapter 7. It's called The Will of Albus Dumbledore. Ooh, damn. Now, if there's something that sounds even more exciting than a wedding, it's time for to to execute the will. (laughs) Will and Testament reading. We're just getting all the hits. Oh, God. And even (laughs) even even if you have access to the super special Scholastic funded. J.K. Rowling written, Marie Grand pre-illustrated leak. Please read another book. Please read another book. But there's a lady here that makes ocean roll seem tame. But I know what you're after if you catch a eye. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.